Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Good evening. How are we doing? Pretty good? All right. Uh, well, hey, let's go Matthew chapter 11. Matthew uh, chapter 11. So last year, uh, an article came out uh, dubbing millennials as the, quote, burnout generation. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, a lot of people read that, and across the U.S., there are all these young adults that kind of read that description and read that definition and thought, yes and amen, right? Because the reality is, for a lot of us, we, we're just exhausted. Like, we are a tired, exhausted generation. But what's interesting is that if you would have asked uh, the generations before us kind of what their fear for our generation would have been, um, being labeled as the burnout generation wouldn't have even been on their radar, um, primarily because um, their, their fear, you know, a study showed that, that as technology kind of increased, their fear was that we would actually have too much time on our hands, and that would actually be the biggest problem. So prime example, in 1967, a Senate subcommittee was told that by 1985, the average American would work 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. Right? And the fear was that we would have way too much time on our hands. And we laugh because we understand now that with the rise of technology, that doesn't make us uh, less busy, it makes us more, right? And so the reality is busyness now is just, it's just a way of life, right? Like busyness is just the air that we breathe. And, and we kind of breathe this air of being chronically busy for a couple uh, reasons. Um, one is that our culture, we praise or we reward busyness. Like we reward busyness. Um, and what I mean is that we have kind of come to a place where we wear busyness as a badge of honor and we believe that, that the busier you are, the more important you must be. Right? So, so we, we look up and we praise the people that are so busy, they have no margin for anything. If someone says, yeah, man, I haven't slept in days, like that, that's like a status thing, right? It's like, wow, you are so in demand. You are so busy. You are so important that you can't even find time to sleep. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, that's, that's a status thing, right? Like, we reward busyness in our culture, but it's not just that we reward or praise busyness. Our culture also penalizes rest. Our culture penalizes rest. Um, I read an article in Entrepreneur Magazine that was asking uh, a group of, of employees across the U.S. about uh, paid time off. And out of all the people polled, uh, 96%, and if you're not good with math, that's almost everybody, um, 96% of the employees polled said that they believe that utilizing their PTO, taking their vacation days, was a good, healthy, needed thing, right? It's just good to take that time and rest. But when they asked those same people, how many of you actually intend to use your vacation days? Uh, only 41% said that they were. Like, and that way, like almost 100% of you said that this was like healthy and needed, but only a fraction of you are actually going to utilize your paid time off, like your actual benefit package, your vacation days. When they asked them why, they said, I just feel like I can't. 
It's like I just can't leave work. I can't stop. I can't rest. I can't. There's just so much to do. And that number checks out. In 2018, 768 million vacation days went unused in the U.S. That's 2.1 million years worth of time, just for reference, right? 768 million vacation days were left on the table because we feel like we just can't stop. We just can't rest. We can't do these things. And what makes this even crazier is that when they pulled the employers, so the people employing these employees, 40% of the employers said that they view people who take their paid time off as less productive, less successful, and less dedicated. So there's a four in 10 chance that your boss will think less of you for actually taking a vacation. And that's the culture that we live in. We live in a culture that, that celebrates and praises just chronic busyness, but we also live in a culture that penalizes rest, that we feel like we just can't get off this hamster wheel and that busyness is just the way that it's going to be. And what makes this even more depressing is that our culture can't seem to find a solution. Our culture has no solution. Um, in the article that I referenced earlier, this is the summary. This is the, the, the closing thought on us being the burnout generation. Um, the, the author writes this. She says, you don't fix burnout by going on vacation. You don't fix it through life hacks like Inbox Zero or by using a meditation app for five minutes in the morning or doing Sunday meal prep for the entire fam or starting a bullet journal. You don't fix it by reading a book. You don't fix it with an adult coloring book or anxiety baking or the Pomodoro technique or overnight oats. The problem, which is, that's a great fix. Um, the problem with holistic, all-consuming burnout is that there is no solution to it. It's not a problem I can solve, but it's a reality that I can acknowledge, a paradigm through which I can understand my actions. How depressing is that? This massive article talking about this massive problem and, and, and all the ways that we as a generation are just so tired and exhausted and burnt out. And when it comes to, well, what, what do we do about it? Our culture says there's nothing to be done. There's no solution. This is the new normal. The best thing we can do is just acknowledge it. Acknowledge that this is the way that life goes. And maybe you feel that maybe you're in a place where you're just so exhausted and tired from work or school or family or life or relationships or whatever it might be, and you just feel so exhausted. And it might feel like she just said that there's no solution. But what if our culture is wrong? It wouldn't be the first time our culture has been wrong about something. What if our culture is wrong? What if burnout is not the new normal for us? What if rest is available? Like a deep, soul-satisfying, rejuvenating rest. What if that is available? I have good news. It, it is. I, I firmly believe that rest is available, and I want to show you what I mean. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, this is a, a passage that as I grew up, man, I, I love this verse, especially the first part. 
We love this idea of, or this, even just this picture of Jesus just saying, hey, come to me, all who are weary, all who are tired, all who are exhausted, all who are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will provide rest to your souls. Like, we love that. That's so refreshing to hear. But then he kind of says this weird thing about a yoke. And if you know what a yoke is, a yoke is actually, um, it's this kind of piece of farm equipment that they put on the shoulders of oxen to kind of help plow a field. And so if you know what a yoke is, this is it's kind of a, a weird thing, right? For, for Jesus to say, hey, I'm going to give you rest. Come to me if you are tired and weary, and I'm going to put a big burden on your shoulders. That's kind of the imagery here, right? And it kind of feels a little weird because you think, wait, wait, like that's, that's not really what we need, right? Like, like I came for rest. I, like, I, I don't need anything else on my shoulders. I don't need any more burdens. I don't need anything else to carry. That's why I'm coming to you. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But the reality is what Jesus is saying is Jesus is actually giving us the exact thing that we need because the reality is that all the burdens that we carry, those things aren't going away. So what we need is a tool to help carry those burdens, to shoulder the load in a way that actually brings rest. I really love the way that Dale Bruner says it. He says this. He says, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. But instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. And I love that quote because he's exactly right. Our culture believes that rest comes from escape, that that's how we rest, right? If we can just escape for a second from all the things that, that weigh us down, that stress us out, that, that, that burn us out, man, if I can just get a weekend away, a night out with the girls, a night out with the boys, if I can just take a Saturday and binge watch something for eight hours at a time, like, man, that's going to be awesome. Like, that, that's all I need, right? But we all know that that doesn't actually produce rest, it distracts us from all the things that stress us out, but we all know that feeling of, man, taking a weekend away, and it was fun, but we're not any more rested than when we left. We all know that feeling of sitting on a couch for an entire Saturday, and, and we binge something, but then we go back just as exhausted on Monday as when we left on Friday. We live in a culture that thinks that escape, that's how we rest, if we can just get escape. And I think oftentimes a lot of us, we've, we've just never been taught another way, but Jesus understands that escape is not the answer. Escape is not what we need to experience rest. So he gives us equipment. He gives us a tool. He gives us a yoke. And that equipment to shoulder our burdens, that equipment to help us carry our burdens in a way that feels light is called Sabbath. So over the next three weeks, we are going to be in a series where we talk about this idea of Sabbath, this practice of Sabbath. And so um, for, for the majority of our time in the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk real, real specific about and how do you do it, when does it look, 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 look like, and how do we create rhythms for Sabbath. But tonight, I want to just stop and slow down, and I want to talk about what is Sabbath. 
Because especially if you've grown up around the church, you've probably heard this term. You've heard Sabbath or the Sabbath day or the Lord's day or the seventh day or one of those kind of churchy things, right? If you haven't grown up in church, I love that because now it means that we don't have to do any work to kind of help retrain your brain on what Sabbath actually is, right? So you're in an amazing spot. But Sabbath is something really, really, really specific. That's a beautiful way that God has given us to actually experience rest. And so I want to define Sabbath, and then I want us to see where on earth we get this idea and how we can begin to implement this in our lives in a way that we experience rest. So here's the definition that we'll be using for the next couple weeks. Sabbath is a weekly rhythm woven into the fabric of creation where we simply take a day to stop. It's a weekly rhythm woven into the fabric of creation where we simply take a day to stop, right? It's that simple, to just take, take a day to stop. Now, let me show you where we actually get this idea. Uh, this is Genesis 2, starting in verse 1. Um, if you have a Bible, feel, feel free to turn there, but it'll also be up on the screen. It says, thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. So context, God, God has just created all the universe, everything that we can possibly see, imagine, feel, touch, all those things. God creates it all, and then... On day seven, this is what happens. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Now, you might read that and think, that, that sounds like one of the most redundant passages of Scripture I've ever read in my entire life. That this is a beautiful picture. This is where we get the idea of Sabbath. And in this passage, we see kind of three foundational truths about what Sabbath is. I think if we can understand and learn how to apply these to the rhythms of our life, we will be a people that aren't marked by burnout, but are actually marked by rest, right? Rest and joy and peace and life and all the things that come with rest. And so um, in the time that we have left, I want to break down the three sort of kind of foundational ideas of what Sabbath is that we see in this text. And the first is this. First off, we see that the Sabbath is about stopping. Sabbath is about stopping. Um, in this passage, it says that God rested, right? That, that he rested from his work. That word for rested in the Hebrew is a form of the word Shabbat. And the word Shabbat is where we get the English word Sabbath. And Shabbat means to stop. It means to simply just to stop, to cease, just to stop what you're doing, to stop working, Right? And so, and so what it's saying is that God created all these things, and his response on the seventh day was to simply stop, is just to, to rest, to, to stop what he was doing. And so Sabbath ultimately is about stopping. Now, as we go along, there's going to be, I think, um, some objections that you might have along the way or some justifications for why Sabbath really isn't something that's realistic for you, um, realistic for your schedule, for kind of where you are in life. It's a cool idea, but in practicality, um, it's not necessarily for you. And I think one of the things that will kind of cause us to object is the simple idea of stopping, right? Because as basic as that sounds, we live in a culture that makes us think that we cannot stop. Right? Can't stop, won't stop is a cultural mantra for us, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's how we live, right? And so stopping is one of those things that when we really think about, wait, hold on. So you're saying to like, to like stop work, stop thinking about work, stop studying. I mean, that, that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought for us to think about stopping because we think, man, if I actually took a day and I didn't respond to emails from work, 
I don't know what would happen. If I took a day and I didn't study, if I took a day and I didn't respond to texts, if I took a day and I just stopped doing all the things that are on my plate, I mean, best case scenario, we fall behind, but worst case scenario, our world ceases to exist. So we feel, right? And the reality is the beauty of what happens on Sabbath, when we come to a place where we just stop, we say, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to think about work. I'm not going to study. I'm not going to do anything that exhausts me. I'm going to simply stop for a day. What we find is that the world is just fine without us. We fear that maybe it's going to make our boss mad, it's going to make our co-workers mad, that people are going to think we're lazy. But the reality is that when we stop, we find the world is just as we left it. In fact, um, in his book on Sabbath, um, Abraham Joshua Heschel says this. He says, he who wants to enter the holiness of the day, meaning the Sabbath day, must first lay down the profanity of clattering commerce, of being yoked to toil. He must say farewell to manual work and learn to understand that the world has already been created and will survive without the help of man. AKA, God didn't need you when he created the world and he's just fine without you for a day. And I think that one of the things that maybe... um, depending on where you are in life, is that one of the most profound things that you can learn through Sabbathing is that God's in control. I think we don't stop because we believe that, man, I I have to keep going. If if I don't keep going, if I don't keep working, then then everything's going to fall apart. And the Sabbath is a reminder that God is in control and we are not. And there's something beautiful when we can just stop and, and recognize who God is and how God moves and that the world is just fine without us. So foundational to the Sabbath is that we stop. The second is this. The Sabbath is about stopping, but the Sabbath is also about delighting. The Sabbath is about delighting. Now, um, over the years, when people read this passage in Genesis 2, I've had people ask me, so does God get tired? And it's a valid question. Because for us, like, we rest because we're tired. We rest because we are exhausted. But theologically, we understand that our God doesn't get tired. Right? Isaiah 40 says that our God does not faint. He does not grow um, weary. We don't have a God who gets tired. So the question becomes, right, so then why did he rest? And the reality is that our God didn't choose to rest on the seventh day. He, he didn't stop um, as someone who was tired. He stopped and rested as someone who sat back and delighted in the work of his hands. He sat back and he looked at his creation and he just delighted in all that he had made. I don't know if you've ever completed a, a project or something and, and had the ability to just kind of sit back and marvel at what you had done, but it's an amazing feeling, right? Um, I feel this when I uh, managed to put together furniture from Ikea. Um, if you've ever tried to put together anything from Ikea, you know like, it's unnecessarily complicated. And so there are days when, when, it, when I can manage to finish and complete on my own uh, without losing my salvation, this furniture from, from Ikea, like there's something in me that just wants to invite over all of my friends, throw some steaks on the grill and just say, guys, let's just marvel at the fact that, that like the drawers don't get jammed, that they're not, you know, wonky, like they, they actually work. And I'm just so amazed and delighted in the work of my hands. I just want others to just simply gather in the light in the work of my hands. Now, in a much less crass way, that, that's what's happening here, right? 
that, that, that God has just created the heavens and the earth, the skies, the oceans, the mountains, the fish, the birds, the, the animals, mankind. He's, he's created all of these things, and he sits back, and he just delights in the work of his hands. And so, yes, Sabbath is about stopping, but if we are people that don't use Sabbath to also delight, then we're doing it wrong. Because we have a God who is gracious enough to create this rhythm in creation, this rhythm into our week, where, yes, we stop and we breathe and we realize that he is in control, but he also invites us to just delight. This is interesting. I don't know if, know if you've ever thought of it like, like this, but if you know the creation narrative, mankind, Adam and Eve, were created on day six. So their first full experience on earth was the Sabbath day. There was no work. Their first experience on earth is God taking a step back and resting and stopping from all of his creation and saying, hey, let's just, let's just delight in all that I have made. We have a God who is gracious and is sweet and is kind and says, hey, let's just delight. Hey, so, so for you, when it comes to the way that you implement Sabbath, there should be a sense of delight in what you do. So maybe that means a slow morning where you get to sip on a cup of coffee as opposed to slamming it on the way to work. Maybe it's a day where you get to curl up on a couch with a blanket and read a book for fun. Maybe it's a day where you take a long walk or a long run on the river. A day where you gather with friends to have a meal and you just sit and you eat good food and you drink good drink and you laugh and you tell stories and you have that type of night where you leave and your soul is just refreshed. There should be a sense of delight in the way that you Sabbath. Because our God's not simply trying to make us just stop. And we stop in order to delight in what he has done in the creation that he has offered to us in the works of his hands. I read somewhere that um, it, was, uh, it was common for Jewish fathers to wake their children up on the Sabbath with a spoonful of honey because he, they wanted them to remember the sweetness of the Sabbath day. They wanted their kids to forever associate the Sabbath but it's just being sweet. And so if the Sabbath is not sweet, then you're doing it wrong. Because it is a day to stop. It's also a day to delight. But third is this. Sabbath is also about communing. Sabbath is about communing. Um, so, something interesting is if you look at verse, verse 3, um, God does something interesting. He, he blesses it, and then it says that he makes it holy. Right? He makes it holy. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, this is really, really interesting because this is the first time that we see the word holy appear in the scriptures. This is the very first thing that God ever declares is holy. And so like the word holy means set apart, unique, different, other than. Right? It's the word that we use to uh, describe the character and nature of God. You know, in Isaiah, when he sees the glory of the Lord fill the temple, the angels sing and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? Holy is, means let's just be set apart. Right? And he sets this day apart. And what's interesting is that other faith systems, other uh, pagan religions had creation narratives. And what was common in the creation narrative of those pagan religions is that their god or gods um, would create, after creation, they would then pick a place, and they would declare a holy place. So they would take a holy mountain or a holy spring, and in that holy place, they would create um, a tent or a temple or an, you know, an altar, 
And what they would do is they would make a pilgrimage to go commune and worship their God in their holy place. What sets apart our creation account, the creation account from our God, is that he doesn't create a holy place that we have to, to go to in order to commune and worship and meet with him. He creates a holy day. He doesn't create a, a, a place. He enters into time and says, if you want to commune with me, if you want to just sit with me and worship me and know me, all you have to do is enter into the holiness of the seventh day. Enter into this day that is set apart from all the others where you stop, where you delight, but you also get to commune and be with God. So there should be an aspect of our Sabbath where, yes, we stop, we delight, but we also just commune with our God because our God is available. Because of what Christ has done through uh, his death and resurrection on the cross, we now have access to the Father. We, like, if we want to meet with God and commune with God, we don't have to make a pilgrimage to some temple somewhere. We get to simply enter into this day of rest and just sit before him. So our Sabbath should include just sitting before God, reading his word, praying, asking God to speak, listening for his voice, finding a way just to be still in the presence of God. And I tell you that because maybe, yes, you are exhausted. Physically, emotionally, you're just tired. But maybe you're also in a place where you are so spiritually dry and you feel like you haven't heard the voice of God in a long time. And you're running around, and you're doing all of these things, and you just don't know where God is, and you just want to meet with God, and you just want to commune with him. The reality is maybe why you haven't heard from God in a long time is you haven't created space to just sit with him. Maybe it's because you haven't Sabbathed. The reality is that it's incredibly difficult to commune with God in a really authentic way when we pencil him in for 15 minutes at a time when we pencil him in for 30 minutes at a time. But the beauty of this Sabbath is it is a day where we have space. We have a day where we we don't have anything on the schedule. We stop, we delight, but then we just sit before him and we just commune. So my challenge for us um, this week is I want you to find a day between now and next week where you simply stop, you delight, and you commune with God. I want you to spend just one day between now and next week when we gather again and just give this thing a shot. I'm not gonna ask you to kind of do a complete overhaul of your life or your rhythm just yet. Spoiler alert, we will, um, because we think it's great for your health and your sanity, um, and we just don't want you to be exhausted and afraid at both ends because we don't have to be. The reality is that we, like, rest is available. There is a solution. God has woven it into the fabric of creation this day once a week that is like a mini vacation. But first, I want us to just pick a day. And maybe your schedule's mapped out for the next two months and you don't even have a full day. That's fine. Pick six hours or three hours. Pick a block of time and stop. Stop working. Stop thinking about it. Stop studying. Stop striving delight in his creation and spend some time just communing with him. And what I think you'll find is that all the rest and rejuvenation that you've tried to find in escape or all these other things you will find when you simply stop and you Sabbath. You stop and delight and commune. Work is a good thing, by the way. I firmly believe that as Christians, we should be the hardest working people on the planet. 
So in all this, don't hear me dog on work. Work is good, necessary. It is also good and godly. Like it is something that God has created to be good. But there's a difference between work and burnout. There's a difference between working hard and just chronically just running and running and running and running and never stopping. So my hope is that we are people that understand that rest is available. That we heed the words of Jesus. That when he says, hey, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and tired, and I will give you rest. That we take his yoke, that we take the equipment that he has given us. That we stop, we delight, we commune. And that we rest because rest is good. And rest is available. Let me pray. Father, I know um, there are probably some of my brothers and sisters in this room that are real tired. They're just exhausted. Maybe they've been tired for a long time and they feel like there's just not a way out. There's no solution. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. With work or with family or friends or relationships. Yeah, I, I praise you that you are a God that one cares about our rest. That you care about your people in such a way that you long for them to experience rest. You long for us to be rejuvenated, God. So God, will you provide that? Will you give us the discipline and it does take discipline? God, will you give us the discipline to stop and to slow down and to enter into your presence in a way where we are refreshed? God, as we stop, as we delight, as we commune with you, God, will you meet us there? Will you meet us in the stillness? Will you fill us up? Will you provide strength where strength is lacking? God, may this be a community that is not known for exhaustion or burnout or busyness. This is a community that is known for a life-giving rest that only comes from you. And may you be glorified in our rest, God. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was impactful, and God used it to be part of the transforming work He wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk, or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.